Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Debrief by Lethal Minds Journal. I'm your host, Nate Gladden, Master Sergeant Nate Gladden, and I'm really excited about this. This will be PME done in the way that I like PME in the way hopefully that you like PME. Um, I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves and we are going to get the hell after it. The purpose of this podcast is to be useful to the men and women in the barracks, to be whether you're in garrison or whether you're downrange, doesn't matter. But we want to bring real, relative topics, actual things that you can use inside of your military career. That's what we're after, right? And that's what we want to do. Everything with Lethal Minds Journal, we're trying to do something that makes you, the member in uniform, better. And I think that's what we're going to try to do here. So I'm really excited about the fact that my two guests are coming on to uh, help me decipher some things. And like I said, the name of this one is Build Em Up. And so Trent and Matt, who will introduce themselves uh, with rank. And so I will go ahead and say this. These are our opinions, right? This is not a, I I have to at least give the the disclaimer that this is not the uh, official stance of the DOD or anything else. But these are members of their respective service who are giving their absolute utmost every single day. And they've learned some things and they're going to share some things. And that's exactly what we're doing here. That is the purpose of this podcast. It will be what we do all the way through. Um, We're not going to be super formal in a lot of different settings. And that's because, you know, contrary to what everybody thinks, everything's not pretty put together. It's not always dress blues, if you will. And uh, not everybody has learned how to crisply talk all the way through all the different angles of everything and be a professional speaker uh, when they retire with a bunch of stars or stripes. I'm not being mean to the elders and the elders, but I'm just being honest. Let's learn together and let's have some fun the uh, normal way. Here we go. I guess this is it, guys. We are uh, starting off the uh, the debrief by Lethal Minds Journal, first ever episode. I don't count the pilot episode. So first ever episode, I'm really excited to have both of you. I have the hand raiser uh, with us. Uh, did you see that, by the way? Did you see this real quick? When I raise my hand, the screen shows... The raised hand. Oh, oh no. That's terrifying. That's, that's, that's only you. That's scary. All right. I'm, now that I'm scared quite nicely. Um, all right. I got two people on. I've got Senior Master Sergeant Trent Siegmiller, United States Air Force. And I've got the adult supervision in the room, Major Matt Perry, United States Marine Corps. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? We're doing good. I don't know about adult supervision, but excited to be here, man. <laughs> yeah, just so you know, you have to go first since you are the major, sir. So yeah, I will not. <laughs> uh, so, like, uh, appreciate you having me, uh, Major Matt Perry. I'm an infantry officer by trade. I'm going on 15 years, so I'm probably the youngest of this group uh, that we've got mm. on. Um, just excited to have this conversation. The prompt was pretty tempting. Um, and I got a feeling that we're going to dive down quite a few rabbit holes on this one. Oh, yes, sure. we are. I'm going to try not to like learn up the young officer while we're on here. Cause that's, that's always weird. <laughs> uh, senior master Sergeant <laughs> Segmiller. Uh, I've been in for about 19 special reconnaissance, formerly special operations, weather. I work in the special tactics community. So I've been around for a little bit and I have never been stationed in Japan. So that's part of the, the pre-conversation we had and I'm, yeah. I'm a little upset about it now. You should be. You should be bitter. You should be ashamed. Actually, you should be ashamed. That's really what you should be. Yeah, mainly. I mean, I know you've been hanging out. Yeah, I know you've been hanging out in the stands, but it's not as cool as saying that you've also hung out in Japan. So it's okay. It's all right. All right. Well, I guess that I am not the adult supervision. I'm definitely not the moderator. I'm the person who convinced you two to show up and uh, waste your time with me 
which is fantastic, by the way. Thank you. Uh, and yeah, so I guess, which is weird. I've never actually said the rank stuff. So, but Master Sergeant Nate Gladden, I am the old guy in the room at the moment. Uh, 21 years and about to be hitting the 22 year mark. So I'm on my way out uh, sooner rather than later. But uh, Air Force Bubba by trade, primarily C-130s and some other stuff as well. And yeah, that's about the extent of anything that anybody needs to know about me before we start talking about this episode. So basically for the listeners, these episodes are going to be different people every time. I've kind of mentioned that ahead of time, but they don't get a lot of prompt other than I say, hey, today we're talking about building blocks, right? How do we build the E's? How do we build the O's? So kind of, and then uh, a question, right? So I've got a question that came in. So I'm going to ask that. And then from there in the future, there'll be like a question that'll get thrown out to whoever's on. So We'll kind of go, you can go as deep if you want or generic as you want to start with, guys. Um, but doesn't matter to me. But I really want to kind of think about it from the standpoint at the beginning of like when you're new, right? Like when like when we are new, not not just like the new guy now. Or it's like, well, when you come in, young man. No, no, no. Like when you were new, how were you built either correctly or not correctly? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like when you were first coming in those first couple of years, especially, how did you uh, how did you get built? Sir, <laughs> oh, I yeah, can't go first. I can't go first. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's, it's making <laughs> me jump on him first. Um, so for me, it was kind of interesting. It was because we're talking about how, how we were developed. Uh, graduated from IOC, got sent to a unit that was basically packing up to walk out the door, right? So I had uh, my platoon sergeant at the time, now he's a chief warrant officer at the time brand new staff sergeant, phenomenal friend of mine uh, who had done the entire workup with these guys. Like they, he had done a phenomenal job and pretty much taught me one of the most valuable lessons that, uh, that I've tried to pass on uh, to anybody that's willing to listen to me for more than 10 seconds. Right. And that is, you know, I'm a firm believer. Some things can change, but officers, that first impression that they get of that, of that staff NCO of that, you know, their right-hand man, right-hand woman, depending on what job you're in, um, that is lasting. And, and my guy was more than willing, you know, to, he had done the entire workup more than willing to be like, Hey boss, this is your show. And we expect you to screw this up flat out. We expect you to screw it up, but it's our job to make sure that whatever you go with, we're going to ride with you. We're going to make sure that we got your back and we're going to make sure that we correct you when need be. And it was much more of a free flowing conversation uh, than it was a, you know, here I am and look at how phenomenal my uniform looks and everybody will listen to me because I went to an entry level school and now I am a tactics God. (laughs) Right. So it's to me that that is so valuable is that relationship right off the get go to date. I've had a lot of senior enlisted um, that have worked for me, whether it was the infantry, whether it was in reconnaissance, whether it was out here where I'm at now, I always go back to that first one. It's like, you, you know, your first girl you ever dated, right? You always can go back to that one, but oh, yeah. that, <laughs> that right there, that relationship, it, it's, I cannot stress that one enough. And for anybody who's going to, you know, take the time to listen to our hour of rambling on this, um, that, whether you are, depending on which side of the fence you're on, it's so important that you understand exactly what that is. 30-second version, man, I, 
you put a prompt out there that's like, oh, if you guys are the beacons of professionalism, dude, if you can screw it up, I've screwed it up flat out. Yeah, and man. it is to a point to where, I mean, I've got, you know, going away gifts that they ran. I mean, you can't make the font small enough to write the amount of things that I screwed up on that thing. Um, but I always had somebody who right before I face planted, you know, was willing to grab me by the strap on the back of the flag, stand me upright. Like, dude, it's okay to make mistakes. Just keep going. Just keep going forward. Because the second the guys care more about watching you freeze, afraid to make a decision, afraid to make a mistake, than they do care about you being a human being. Because they're going to make mistakes. And I'm, we'll get into that here in a little bit. But that's, you know, that entry level, that, that's the first thing that jumped out of me when I read your prompt. Nice. Trent, what about you? That's, that's wild. Because I remember, kind of not from the very beginning, but I remember my first rotation. Uh, we'd, we'd been in a fight all day, and I made a decision to, to drive uh, the Humvee I was driving with a, a group that maybe I wasn't supposed to go with, but I couldn't figure out what the other people were telling me to do. I remember the next day, I was talking to some of the ODA bubbas, and I was like, hey, man, like, did I mess that up? They're like, bro, you made a decision, and it's okay. You know, like that whole like people understanding that you just need to make make a decision. But I think in the very beginning there, what's important is like, a, especially like a young enlisted guy, because I'm not expected to come in there and lead. Um, so like a lot gets poured into you in the beginning. And so like the the balanced approach of your uh, superiors is, is very important. Right. So like my first captain that I came across, um, you know, was a little bit hands off, but he handled what he needed to. Uh, the senior NCOs were were tough when they needed to be, but also set reasonable expectations for me, which was very important. Uh, I ended up getting kicked out of the door a lot faster than they expected me to because one of our guys, uh, you know, took a round in the calf. But um, I just remember one my my first like Saudi like boss. He was like, "Hey, I don't expect you to be the best at everything. I don't expect you to be the first at everything, but you absolutely cannot be the last." You know, just setting those like community expectations on you, and 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 you know, like you said, sir, like understanding that you know, you're new, you're going to make mistakes and, and things are going to happen. Uh, but uh, as a young enlisted member, like a lot is poured into you. And and then that's important to remember as, as older guys is uh, taking that balanced approach and pouring the right stuff into that person and also giving them space to grow. I think, you know, like it can be super frustrating at times and we get in those situations where you don't have the time to give them the space to grow, but you still have to do it, even though it's painful and it's causing you pain, it's making your day longer. Uh, but giving them that space to grow is, is, is hyper important. And I was given, you know, as much space as I could before they, they shipped me out the door that first time. Yeah. Well, I think you, you know, you brought up, you say the word space. I use the word why I think they're, they're one and of the same, but, and it's something that I stress to, you know, whether it was a platoon commander that worked for me or when I was an obstacle company commander, you know, dropping the why the why is so important because there is going to come a time when you can't give it. And your dudes can't think that you're not giving it just because, oh, woe is me. I'm holier than thou. We're going to do like I said. They know that every time that you've had the opportunity, you've broken down the why, you've explained, you know, this is why this has to occur. or This is why we're going to do it this way. Because they're all going to come to that time. You don't have the time to give it. It's just jock up and go. We got to get out. It's, yep. it's QRF. It's this. It's that. Like, And they know, like, all right, hey, I know boss has my best interest at heart. If he had the time. He would drop it on us. He doesn't have the time. This is the time that it's just jock up and go. We got to go as fast as humanly possible. And that is, that's invaluable right there. And if you lose that, you're, you're screwed before you even LD. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Like you got it. Yeah. You, that, that, that first little bit, you know, it is like we talked about it's impressions, right? It is understanding those, those, 
those first little bit, that space, that why, those different things, right? Like that's a really, really big thing that we lose, right? But I think, and it's funny, I, I talk to, so I like to talk to the young NCOs and the young uh, young O's as well, but especially the young NCOs be like, hey man, if you're not telling them like why the fuck they're doing it or what it's going to lead to or anything else, they're just doing something to do it. They have no idea why. So it's like that quick and it, and it comes back. One of the things that I think is, um, it gets lost. I don't know if it maybe not get lost, but uh, misunderstood. I, I misunderstood some things when I was young in the sense of like, I would see somebody and everybody thought that they were just crushing it with their career. They were really doing good on this. Like, you know, I started my career as a, so I started my career as a crew chief, right? I was turning wrenches. Right. And so there'd be these dudes who just knew all this. I'm like, how the hell do they know all this? And everybody loves them and they do this and that. And I'm like, man, this is great. This is great. This is great. Only to find out later. It's like, oh, Oh, it's not because they're just like naturally gifted to this. It's not because of that. It's because I started like, I wasn't paying attention at first. And then somebody said, do you realize what they're doing? Like they're always, always, always learning from somebody else when they're not the one working. Right. So like they're with the engine shop, they're with the hydraulic shop. They're over here with the electric shop. They're over here learning this. They're doing that something they've never done that way. Whenever it's like, Hey, cool. Now they can put two and two together. And so then I was like, Oh, okay. It's not just them showing up and like being really cool and being really good at their job. Like what the hell does that even mean? Right. So I think that's one of the ones I try to explain to the, to, to young O's and young E's, especially is like, Hey man, you got to explain to them different things. And if you don't know it, you got to go ask somebody, you got to check that ego and you got to learn it quick. Like, but you got to really dig in there. Well, I, th I think we've all seen those guys that show up to a unit that think their cup is already full. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, it, and, and it, it, it's super frustrating. So it, the responsibility of as the person showing up, that's new, uh, what either side of the fence you're on rank wise, if you don't come in there and like recognize that you have two drops of water in a 32 ounce cup and the rest needs to be filled, <laughs> then you are, you're going to make huge mistakes. Like, well, I have, you know, a little bit of moisture in here and everybody's going to be like, that's, that's nothing. And you don't even realize how empty it is. <laughs> so it's true. It's very well, true. I think, you, you know, I think like what he's dropping right now is, is, is best captured through another word in and of itself, which is just the humility. Right. Mm -hmm. So we go on the, on the Marine Corps officer side, infantry officer course is a phenomenal course. They're going to teach you amazing things, and you're going to learn squad tactics, arguably to a level better than your first squad will run, because you're going to have some very independent thinkers. They're going to be moving, shooting, moving, communicating, everything that you want them to do. It is amazing when you walk in and you've got that young 18, 19-year-old kid. I mean, hell, you're all – I was 22, right? So it ain't like I'm old. And you just walk up to him and you're like, tell me why you did that. You know it or not, it doesn't matter. But when you ask them to tell you the why, watch how much buy-in you get. Yeah. Now they're invested into your development in and of itself. So there's a lot of things. I mean, you can, especially in some of the more technical jobs, you can be a rocket scientist at this stuff and know how A plus B is equal to C. But there is somebody that prides him or herself so much in understanding A plus B. Mm -hmm. Dude, eat that damn humble pie and let that let that person explain it to you. And then watch how loyal they'll be to you for the rest of the time that you work with them. Yeah. I'm a big, uh, you know, I'll laugh and joke and bullshit with people all day long. Um, like that doesn't have to be a quiet minute. We can all just chill and be quiet in the office or, you know, more flying or do whatever, but there also can just be constant chat, uh, just chit chat and bullshit and whatever. I don't mind. Right. But like when I'm learning and somebody's talking about something, if I know about it, I may engage with them and ask them a question or whatever. But if I don't know, I shut the hell up. And like observe and listen as much as I can. And then as soon as they find, they say something that like, I don't, I don't know what it is. 
I key in on that. And I'm like, I have to ask what that is. Like, I have to find out, like, what did you mean by that? What do we do next? What is this? Why would you do that? Like, cause every single time I'm like, man, if you're actually like, I think that's the thing that happens as you get built and then you get a little older and you start building others inside of, you know, this, this world we live in. But really that's a, that's like a massive moment when you start realizing that you can just really observe, find something and like go attack everything from a learning perspective, right? Like, like legitimately, like somebody's going to say some shit here and they're all going to say something smarter than me. So I can learn like right now, like this, there's, and there's, and that's the thing I think too, I think people get scared. That's the ego thing, right? The humble pie. But like, if you really, if you actually ask, like, they're going to tell you, like, they're going to, they want you to ask them. They want you to not know so they can explain it and make you better. Like the good ones do, you know? Well, and you, and you turn a corner, I think, at a point in your career when you see the people that make things look simple or explain things with an economy of words and anybody that can make something seem simple and they're really good at that task. Like if you think that it's easy, then you're you're incorrect. Like there is so much nuance and, and mm -hmm. goodness. And if you just want to go down that rabbit hole with them, uh, it's easy to do instead of just like writing people off and be like, well, that whatever they're doing is, is easy. Like nothing is easy. No job that any of us do is, is easy if you get good enough at it, you know? Uh, if you think something is simple, it's because you haven't tried hard enough at it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and there's a scary thing that happens too. Whenever, you know, whenever I think it's, I know from a flying standpoint, you know, spending a, a bunch of years as a flight engineer on a one thirty is like when a guy comes off his, you know, we say come off his folder, right? Like whenever he gets back from school, basically give or take a, you know, four months or something like that, they're flying with an instructor and then they go off and they start flying by themselves. Right. And they start actually like learning their actual skill set, you know, and being a part of the crew without dad, you know, mom or dad sitting there like, you know, flipping the switch when they mess it up or yelling at them about flipping the wrong switch. Um, but there is that real moment, right. Where it's like, it starts to, it starts to switch around, but I tell them as they're coming off their folder, like what I would always tell my students in the past, I'd say, Hey, listen, you're going to start to feel comfortable in this job and you're going to feel really relaxed and you're going to feel good. When you do, you need to remember that what we did was we like a human being decided to shape all of this into something that would defy gravity, put like, put it in the air, then put it really close to the ground, like go through mountain passes, do all this, and then maybe reshape it while we're airborne so human beings can jump out of it. And then we're going to close it all back up and then we're going to land on a dirt strip somewhere and you're going to start to think that's totally natural. I'm like, none of that is natural. And if you start to think it is, then you're going to actually start to be a problem for your crew. Like you need to realize that there's a lot of moving parts in this. And it sounds like silly, but it's like, like the idea is like, I'm like, Hey man, like if you don't do this shit right, like those are meat bombs that go out the back now. Those are not just dudes that jump out of the airplane. Yes, Trent, I called you a meat bomb. Yes, that is what I refer to you as whenever you guys go out. You know, it's a meat missile or a meat bomb. But you know, then the parachute opens, and then then you're just an alibi. So that's that's the other call. Okay, listen, we got caffeine, we've got tobacco, whiskey. All these things are amongst the three of us right now. I'm sure. So we can talk like, you know, we can talk amongst friends. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, let me ask you, you know, uh, I want to bring up this question. Let me see if I can find it real fast, but of, uh, like what that basically, uh, for those listening, like I said, I'm going to kind of ask a question. So this guy sent something in, I was talking to him and I thought this'd be a good place to start. And then after that, the rest of them would be a Q and a style. But, um, so this guy sent, uh, a thing and basically I was asking him something about, you know, basically some people that were 
leading some different things and different stuff. So I asked him uh, what he learned through through his career when he was young. So he was an Air Force Bubba. Um, and he did his he did his four and he got out. Um, so he just said uh, his biggest thing was insecurity, right? Uh, on how to be a good leader, right? So he had a lot of insecurity about being a good leader. He really wanted to to be one. Um, so he said, uh, long story short, I got told by my idols that I didn't have what it took to think on my, so he was young. He was like year one of his job kind of thing, like very early side of his career, right? Um, he had a lot of insecurity, so I couldn't go into detail about it, but long sh- uh, story short, uh, I got told by my idols that I didn't have what it took to think on my feet and make quick, solid decisions. So I spent the next five-ish years looking far and wide for practical decisions, making skills, leadership advice, et cetera, you know, overthinking it for, you know, for a lot of years, practical leadership skills, what, you know, is what comes to mind first, all these different things, right? This is what he was like looking for. He was searching for it. He kept like, we talked for a while about it and he was trying to like hunt down everything else. And I asked him, I was like, after they told you that you didn't have what it took, did they explain to you what that meant? And they didn't, they just told him that. Right. And then I was just like, Hey man, I'll be honest with you. Those are piss poor leaders. Like they may have been really, really good at certain things, but if they, if they stopped with, you don't have what it takes, then they didn't do the things that's supposed to happen after that. Right. Like, so that's my question to you guys. Cause he was asking like, how do you actually develop as a leader? If somebody's telling you that you can't develop as a leader, <laughs> So I, I think it, so I want to attack this from two different angles, right? So first from the, the developer, right? And one of my favorite stories of all time. So we're in the patrol phase of uh, BRC and uh, a team's just screwing it up, right? Like we can't get the OP. We, we keep getting compromised. It's just everything is a reset, is a reset. And we're, and we're just pissing off the walker, man. Like walker's just beyond pissed, gunny at the time. So I happen to be back by the rock back at the base camp. He comes in and like the head dude in charge is there. And he's like, Hey, uh, you know, they, they suck. They, this, they, that, you know, and the dude grabs them and just kind of slams them into the wall. And he's like, awesome. Then go teach the MFers. Go teach the motherfuckers. Like that's your goddamn job. Like do your job because guess what? That's all you got. Mm -hmm. That's it. There's not a whole, you know, people waiting for this and especially in the job that i work now i mean hell man 26 percent of the kids we talk to on a daily basis are qualified to do the military that's before we start categorizing them by branches whether they want to you know go straight into from zero to hero right off the jump if they're going to work themselves up to get there that's also your d1 athletes that's 26 percent i'll line four dudes up what you got about nine different entities competing for one guy yeah right you're going to, you, as a developer, you got what you got. The hands you are dealt is the hands you've got. You can either fold and bitch and complain and walk away from the table and say, oh, no, I can't do it. Or play that hand for everything it's worth. And you know what? Sometimes you're going to get caught on the river, but sometimes your ass is going to fake it all the way through to where so many people start believing in what you've got. That 2-7 offsuit looks like pocket aces real quick, yeah. right? <laughs> So on the other side, if you are, this is me, man, I'll be the first to say it. And I alluded to this in the beginning, like my time in my first four years, average is probably the strongest word that I could use. 
to describe myself. I had phenomenal squad leaders. I had a platoon sergeant that son of a bitch should have killed me to get. But it wasn't until I went to that next unit and I get there and I had gone through the BRC and I show up to the battalion. I'm standing in front of the battalion commander and I'm getting ready to check in. And he looks at me and he's like, uh, I got a spot in the amphib company. I got a spot in the force company. And I was like, uh, yes, sir. Like, uh, um, you know, whichever one you think. Well, one of them is higher than the other. But I'm not even advocating for myself to go to that. So this man just, he stops. And, and today, my number one idol, right? And he's like, hey, uh, let me ask you a question. And I was like, yes, sir. And he was like, why don't you fucking believe in yourself? Why would I believe in you if you don't believe in you? I'm like, Damn. for the people that consistently feel like they're not being developed, you know, they're not getting what it is that they need. I'm going to tell you, there's somebody somewhere that is going to take a chance on you. Mm-hmm. Just because you get shot down the first time, on you to keep trying. Yeah, people already wrote you off. Yeah, keep trying because yeah. they've already equated that you're not going to be anybody. Therefore, instead, keep knocking on doors, keep banging on doors. Somebody is going to take you under their wing, and when they do, and you listen to them, and you invest in yourself, and you believe in yourself, you're going to get where you want to get to. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I had anybody once I got over to the special ops side that said that I didn't belong there or I couldn't do the job before I switched over when I was regular Air Force. I mean, there were piles of people say stuff like, oh, like, I don't think you're the type, you know, like you're you weigh buck 50, you know, and you're a nice guy. I don't think that's what they're looking for over there. Those guys are whatever. But I think one of the one of the things that happened was when I got over there in 2006, like we'd already been at war for five years, you know, and I'm coming onto a team of guys that supported the the Rangers. They've been out there with the Marines, the SEALs, the ODAs, you know, like and so. I think a lot of that that nonsense had been like bred out of these guys. Either they were too tired to say stuff like that because they'd been rode hard and they were just happy to see another face walk into the door that could like take up some of the slack. Or or it was just that the ego is gone, you know? Uh uh the the false ego of of what we were doing. And so once I got over on the other side, like they were they were, you know, like hard when they needed to be but definitely none of them were like you don't have what it takes to be here they're like you know first day it's like hey i want to see how many push-ups you can do you know and we had like these ceremonies for new guys and all that other stuff they want to see what you're made of uh but none of them were like absolutely you could never do this job like you're a piece of crap blah 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 and so like that seems odd to me and like i've never been the person too where i take someone else's words that seriously you know Mm -hmm. and so if someone walks up to me and says uh you you're not the person for this job or you can't be a leader I'm like, yeah, whatever, cool. Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't understand people that take something else and try to make it a huge part of their identity. And I think that's a huge part of your building blocks. If, if you don't know who you are, if you don't have a, a separate identity outside of your job or your work or your leadership style or whatever else that it is that you're trying to adopt, then uh, you, you don't have no foundation to build upon. Yeah. And so for like this guy, if he's like, hey, they said that I'm not, I'm, I'm not what they're looking for. Like, how, how does he know that they're right? You know, like I, I, that's what I told him, my friend, I'm trying to explain it. Yeah. But like, who cares? Like, these are just people telling you this stuff. And if they don't tell you why, if they don't sit down and try to talk to you and, and learn you up, like my expectations for leaders and for officers and all these other things are so incredibly high uh, for them to like help me out and to show me the way that if you don't, if you don't meet my criteria to be my mentor, my leader, my idol, then you are, you're not getting listened to by me. 
So yeah. I know I'm ranting a little bit, but no, I like that though, because I told him, I was like, well, dude, this is my problem with, you know, them as leaders. But then also like, but I told him, I was like, but you obviously, what's funny is I, cause I told him, I said, what's funny is you don't realize that you then did those things. Right. But then you then going out and trying to read books and you go trying to find these people and you do all those things. You were actually getting that. Like you, you actually did take that in. Unfortunately, you absorbed it in, in, you know, in this way. However, you then did go out and make a conscious effort to go get better and all these things. Right. So I told him, cause he's in, he's in school right now. And I said, you know what? I'm amped as fuck that you're going to like, hopefully come back in on the officer side in one of these branches, because what you did was you took something and then you went out and you, you started trying to figure it all out. And it, even though it made you think like, damn, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm not a leader. Kind of like what you said earlier, you know, Matt, when you were talking about it and you were like, you know, I walked in and I was like, ah, and he's like, if you don't believe in yourself kind of thing, right. It's like a mixture of that. And then it's also like, oh shit, well, by maybe by accident, you started learning some stuff. So now you can turn around when you finish that degree, come back in. And then you can actually be the complete opposite of that thing. Be like, God, and I learned both sides. Well, it's also like, who the fuck is the person making the judgment, right? Because we all do background research before people come to the unit. So if I got you coming to my unit and I call three people, to one person, you're a water walker, to another, you're average, to Mm -hmm. another, you're scum of the earth. Mm -hmm. Like who, who is the person, who is this mythical gatekeeper? Mm-hmm. who is saying who belongs and who doesn't belong. Because I'll tell you, I've been very blessed to work with some of the most high-performing individuals in the service. And not a single one of them will, will turn somebody away. Anybody yeah. who's that damn good at their job is like, you know what? Come with me. Get underneath this wing because watch this. I'm going to turn you into that. Yep. I will turn you into exactly what you need to be. It's the ones who are either A, unsure of themselves in mm-hmm. that job, or B, afraid that your ass is going to take their spot. Mm-hmm. These are the ones that will be the gatekeepers for you. And it, like you hear stories like that. And when you push me that screenshot and I was reading it, I was like, this right here, you wonder why we have, why we lose some of the talent that we lose within the DOD. It doesn't matter what branch you're in. Yeah. And it's because, oh, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't make it through every selection that's ever been under the sun on, on the first try, or, you know, I didn't get 19 combat action badges, awards, whatever, whatever damn service you're in for that. It's like, dude, you don't pick when and where or what happens to you. You pick how you perform yep. given the parameters that you're given. Yep. That's all it comes down to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny, like, just like you said there at the end, it doesn't matter. Like, what unit you're in selections and all that kind of thing, right? Like it's the same thing as, and and I know that you guys know this, right? You guys obviously get to see it from a different side, right? So combat action and stuff like that, you think about it, like you'll get so many people that'll be like, yeah, but I only did, or I, you know, while my job's only, or that, like, I hear that all the time, right? Like I've, I've heard that a million times and it kind of falls into that same category, right? Of where it's like immediately just like, and we do this. We're very, very good at this. We're very good at shitting all over ourselves, right? And being like, oh, well, I don't, you know, I'm not as good as this or I'm not as good as that. I look at it like, like, and I, and I, I like to tell the young people, I really like to tell the young ones, especially like, I don't know, somebody that's packing parachutes, right? Or somebody that's doing something like that. We got a guy who actually in my squadron who is actually packs parachutes kind of guy, right? And he's waiting for his date. I think January, me and you have talked about him trying. I think January is when he's doing some of his stuff. And then I guess he goes off after that. I don't know how all this shit works anyways, 
but he's he's like trying to get into Trent's world, right? He's trying to get in uh, into that world, and he's busting his ass, and he's practicing, and all these things. But I told him, I'm like, and I've told other ones, that we got to build the battlefield, and that's on, above, and beyond or behind, right? It's not just like one thing, right? It's it's just not that. If that were the case, then like, why the hell would I even get on an airplane and fly anywhere, right? Like that wouldn't even make sense. It would just you guys would just show up and go conquer the whole world and you know kill all the bad guys. That's dumb shit, right? Like it's every single step. So that starts at the recruiter, you know, Matt. You're like I always look at that. Like the battlefield goes all the way back. So if you pull the round round out of the bad guy in the center of his chest, it goes all the way back to whoever recruited him in, right? Like quite literally all the way back to the very very beginning. Like that recruiter is like putting them in, helping them out, giving them this, giving them that. And he gets the basic and he's getting, you know, he's going to get his ass handed to him, you know, or she, but they get through it and then they get the training and then they get that first person. And they're like, all right, cool. Hey, you know what? You fucked up like 10 times a day, but that one time you did like a fraction of one thing kind of right. So we're going to keep working on you. Right. And you just keep doing this over and over and over and over and over. And you keep building it. That person just keeps building up. They just keep building up. They just keep getting better and they keep being more effective for whatever their mission is. So if they are working in finance at the first base as an airman, and then at the next base, they're, you know, assigned to a special tactics squadron as finance or whatever, like they're gonna think like, oh, I'm I'm in on this. I'm I'm a part of this. I'm the thing that makes the you know that makes it work, right? Like it's just a matter of that over and over and over. You just gotta keep building these people up, right? That's like that's why we lose so many. We lose a ton of them because we need it. You know, it's funny. So my first night, my first base, I'm ranting, but I'm very interested in your takes on this. First, I I walk in, so I had to be there. We start that shift started at 11 p.m. Right, grave shift started at 11 p.m. So I'm there at 10:45. Hey, baby, I'm 15 minutes early. I don't know if you guys know this, but I am on time. And then the C, uh, the E8, the senior mass sergeant goes, why the fuck are you late? And I was like, well, I'll 15 minutes early. And he goes, do you see all those airplanes out there? And I said, yes, sir. So I was a crew chief, right? And we had these big, giant rollaway boxes. They're hundreds of pounds. They're on wheels. You push them out to the planes. He goes, when, you co- when we come in and I look out there and those toolboxes aren't sitting at the wingtip on the left wingtip of every one of those planes face properly key in it, ready for everybody to work on those airplanes. And they're not done 15 minutes early. You're late. So you will get here to make sure all that shit's out there so we can start working on time. And I was like, uh, yes, sir. Okay. Okay. I'm like, oh shit, I guess I'm late. Ah, so now I'm panicking. Right. So then I yawn. I'll never forget this. I yawned, right? Like big yawn and just cracked upside the back of my head. And I was like, what the fuck was that? And I look over at Sergeant Stone. He goes, don't ever be tired again. And I was like, what? And he was like, not now. You can be tired as soon as the shift's over, but not now. He goes, I'm not letting you touch an airplane if you can't focus when you get to this place. And he's like, you will give everything you have from the moment you walk in to the moment you leave every day. If you don't, I'll wreck your shit. And I was like, "Uh, okay. That was the first couple minutes, right? And then by the end of that first shift, all of the guys had come over. They'd all picked on me. They'd all done this. They'd all done that. And then we all went out and got breakfast together. Right. Like, but it was like this, like, we're going to toughen you. Like, we're just going to attack, attack, attack. And then over an eight hour period, they're like, all right, all right, now do this. All right, cool. Now do that. And it just like started this thing. So it was like, all right, we're, we're the hunting. We're the animals that are going to hunt you. And then now we're also going to bring you in. Right. But it was like this dynamic, but it was like instant. By the end of the first shift, I was like, these are my people. Like, they're going to beat me up and they're going to take care of me. And I never didn't think that was going to be the way that it was going to be in the military. So like, I just went forward like that. Right. I thought it was always going to be like that. They're always going to be tough on you, but they're always going to love you. 
And I thought that's what it was going to be. And I see a lot of people where they just shit all over the people at the beginning and they don't follow it up with anything. And I'm like, well, fuck, now they're not going to pay attention to you. They're not going to be scared. They're all these things. I don't know. See, now I, I ranted. I, this is, nah. I'll let, I'll let Trent jump on it first. I got, I got a take on this as well. Yeah. So I, I think we lose sight of who we were in the beginning. Right. And, and so you, you, you deal with these people and it's just like you said, uh, Matt, it, it's, it's ignorance or insecurity on the, the part of the, the poor leaders or the poor mentors or, or whatever it is. Um, but I, what I see a lot of is, is we, we will get new people, whether it's in the pipeline or, or brand new on team. And I have a hard time differentiating myself now from the person that I was when I first showed up. So one of the, one of these cool things happened to me uh, a couple of years ago is I don't even remember how it happened, but somebody ended up with one of my, my, my journals from like my first deployment. Right. And he brought it over to me and I was reading it and I was like, who is this like emotional, like scared <laughs> kid? Like it was there a, was there a girl writing in my journal? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> what is going on here? And it really helped. Like I, I I'd gone through like the instructor journey already and, and tried to like put things into perspective, but that really set me on the right path. Like, Hey, I'm not who I am today is not who I was then, you know, like mm. doing 10 pull-ups then versus now is a different thing. You know, like all these tasks that we think are simple now through, you know, hours and hours of repetition, all the rucks, all the, you know, I don't remember putting NVGs on for the first time, but it's, it's not a fun experience. You know, the first time you do an all nighter, with those stupid heavy things on and you're you, nothing is set up right on your kit your neck hurts your weights all off and like you, your body's broken and bruised and you can barely make it through like the simplest iteration before you make it back and you're just exhausted but like 10 years later you're like i don't know why these young guys can't do all this stuff like this new generation is super soft and i don't know what's wrong with them like just program the radio retard you know like so um <laughs> i i think that's a huge part of it is we have this like experiential amnesia that we go through and we start adopting like these things about ourselves. You know, you put on the funny hat, you get those stupid ribbons and all the medals and all that other stuff. And you're with your teammates and with your peers. And it's easy as a group to forget that we all came in. And most of us, uh, if not all of us were, were, were scared and all these other things to do everything for the first time. And we forget that there were people there to give us reasonable expectations and walk us through those first things. And we, you know, like no one likes to dwell on the things that they didn't do right. And if no one hammered you for it and it wasn't like a super negative experience, and you learned from it, you probably don't remember how many times someone helped you through the simple things to get to where you are today. Um, so, yeah, I, I see a lot of that going down. So one of the things you said, uh, Nate, so going all the way back to the beginning, right? So, you know, started off infantry officer and then was blessed and got to go hang out uh, in the reconnaissance units for a lot longer than I should have. Um but then all of a sudden I end up on this recruiting gig, right? And to a job I didn't even know before. But one of my favorite things to do here is to go around and ask, you know, different Marines, like, what is your primary job? And I'm learning about jobs that I'm, I no bullshit. I thought Halliburton did half this stuff for us. <laughs> I didn't even know they were jobs. But I got this one guy, and I'll never forget him. And you always think, you know, like, oh, you know, big bad grunt or, you know, these guys who run around, you know, with long hair and beards and all the, the elite of the elite and all that stuff. And they're the ones that have all the pride. This dude was an administrator by trade. This dude had more pride in his job than 
most of the long haired big beard guys that I've met. Mm-hmm. He was just so damn proud to be good at the job that he was given. Yep. And I was like, man, that is that's awesome right there. Because you know what? If we treat it to where the only job that matters is the long hair, big beard, you know, shoot him in the middle of the eyes type of guy. Guess what? We're never going to need more of those jobs because those guys will all stay. But we still got to go find all these all these administrators because our ass ain't never getting paid. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to get paid, you want to be taken care of, you want your family to be taken care of while you're deployed. Like, don't shit on those guys. Those That's are the right. dudes that are doing it for you. So you can be downrange all damn day. Is gonna beat your ass when you get home and you mm-hmm. hadn't paid your bills in six months because you didn't get paid the whole time you were there. That's right. That right there has been a monumental lesson. Just getting around, learning about these different jobs. You know, your aircraft maintenance, bomb loader, you know, paint on the side, you know, girl with a blowing up skirt, you know, all that stuff. Oh, like yeah. these guys doing jobs that I didn't even know were jobs that when you go back, and I talked to some of I, I, I don't want to say my peers. They were my peers in that they've had this job, but they've since, you know, been promoted, moved on. And they're like, dude, the very first thing I do when I get back, when I, when I got my own battalion or when I'm sitting at a regimental level, I go find all those little guys that everybody's like, oh, you know, they don't do anything. They don't do anything because those are the fools that I want to be the closest to me because mm-hmm. you want to watch a unit stop dead in its tracks. Logistics inspection. You ain't doing shit for the next six months, period. That's right. Everybody stops and you will never go to the field because they're not going to let you go to the field because your stuff is deemed unsafe or whatever the hell it may be in this environment that we're operating in. So I think you hit the nail on the head and, you know, it's working its way all the way back through the chain, all the way back to the guy that gets that initial, you know, young man to say, yep, I'll do this all the way to where they do have the long hair and the big beards. And, you know, they're running around with Solomon boots on getting to do their thing. Oh yeah. Solomon boots. Oh, that's when you know you made it, right? When you get the Solomon boots. Yeah, that's the best. That just means yeah, that you're soft. that just means that you're yeah. I can't stand I my feet are wrecked. I actually don't wear mine. Like I don't like I've I've got pairs. I don't even wear them. Sorry, Solomon. You make really good running shoes, I guess, but like you don't make the boots I like. Anyways, that's just me. I guess they well, won't depends. sponsor the podcast. Once everybody starts wearing them, they will find the new cool thing to buy before our bail starts wearing it. It's a vicious cycle. Oh yeah. There you go. I had MC hammer the shout out to my mom. I didn't know it at the time. I don't think she, I know she didn't realize it. I had like British Knights whenever I was in elementary school. No, we're going back a ways. We're going way back. We're going back to like the eighties. Okay. So I had British Knights on and I I don't know. They weren't cool. They weren't anything. Right. And then MC hammer wore them in a music video and bro, like day three of school, I was a cool kid. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm vertically challenged. I can't sing. I'm not an athlete. And I have nothing going for me physically, mentally, emotionally, educationally. But for a at least the first half of the recess, I was amazing. I was somebody famous because I had the same shoes on as MC Hammer. I was like third grade or something like that. But I remember that. Like... Yeah, so from a shoe standpoint, also Solomon's not going to sponsor this podcast. Let's just be honest. Now that we shit on, that's okay. That's all right. This <laughs> podcast is brought to you by caffeine, tobacco, and whiskey. Like you know, let's just be honest. So, can I can I jump on the the learning about other people's jobs thing real quick? Yeah, hell yeah. I, I love that. I find one of the most rewarding things about being uh, older in my career is meeting all those people. Like when you were talking about that, I really felt like. I remember being at a, at a unit and, and people were being like, well, the supply person is a, is a giant, you know, they didn't like the supply person, right? They're like, oh, we never get what we want and blah, blah, blah. 
And in much the same way that if your students are failing, it's on the instructor. I felt the same way about like all the support people. Like if your support people are not doing well, or if you have a negative opinion about them, that says more about you than it does about them, you know, most of the time. And, you know, long story short, I ended up befriending this person and, and talking to them like a person instead of just kicking in their door and being like, I need 18 backpacks that look like civilian backpacks in two days for my guys that are mm -hmm. walking out the door and, and sitting down and having a, a little bit of a conversation and understanding what their job is, asking some questions about what they do day to day and how much it takes out of them and how much is required to do the job. And you would not believe what kind of gear my team ended up with for the next rotation. As in, And it was easy and it wasn't a problem. So yep. like, just, just get to know those people. Cause like, like you were saying, uh, Matt, like I don't want to do that job. And to do that job well, just like any job, like I said in the very beginning, is difficult. If you Hell think it's yeah. simple, go spend a day in their shoes and see how difficult it is. Because I don't want people like me walking to that office asking why I haven't been paid. That's not fun. You want to know something that's funny. So here's one for you. So by the time this podcast comes out, we'll have already recorded this. Well, obviously, we're recording it right now. There you go. Me being smart. Uh, by the time this comes out, it might, all the people I work with will already know this. That's so not a big deal. I'm saying it right now. But by the time this comes out, I'll have already sat down because I'm doing it. Like we're recording it tomorrow morning. I sit down with my with my uh, commander and let them know that I'm putting in my retirement paperwork. Right, so it's like boom, my my time is up. So I'll be like, I'm going for a date that'll put me at like 22 years and seven months and whatever. Right, and I'll have done my time, um, and so that's it. So you know what's funny? You know who the most important people in my entire fucking military career is from this point going forward? All the admin people. I, do, I really care about all the people that serve me food or the people that do this or the people that pack a parachute, or pack, all those things because I've always cared. No, 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 no. The person at finance, I care deeply about them. The person at medical, I care deeply about them. And I'm going to do whatever it is that I can do to be their best friend so they can take care of me and we can finish off my career the last 12 months like the right way. Like that is really important to me, right? So when it comes down to that and you want to shit on somebody, or you want to think whatever, and or if you're the other person that's like, man, I, I wish I was doing something else because this job doesn't matter. Bro, if you work in any of those offices that you think they'll matter, I bet I'm about to find out where you work and we're about to be best friends. Like the next year of my life, you really, really matter to me. So like all those jobs matter. I, I yeah, I think you bring up a really good point there. And I know you're not a raging dick, so that's why I have no problem saying this next thing. <laughs> the problem comes in. Yeah, you're right, right. But the problem comes into we only care about them when we need them. Right. Your reputation is going to precede you. You show Correct. up to a new unit and the smaller of a world you're in, they already know who you are. They already know they've done more research on you than anything. You can't research all of them as fast as all of them can research you. And that's everything from, you know, talking to people at your previous units, scrubbing your social media, figuring out who's who in the zoo, all that stuff. And when you show up as the guy that's like, oh, this dude will be the best friend. He'll be your best friend. He, needs you. he doesn't need you. He doesn't care. That, therein lies the problem. And therein lies what burns a lot of people because, at least for me, if you're only going to do it for that, I'd rather you just hate me from the, the whole time. Yeah. Don't butter me up because you need me at this moment. Yep. And then all of a sudden, when you don't need me anymore, I don't know who that is. I don't know. They got that nerd job over there in the corner. Mm -hmm. Like, what the hell is that? Unless you're done and you are never, ever going to need anybody in the military again, that's a dangerous path to walk down. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess. I feel very confident about this never being this guy. Uh, but I feel very confident about the fact that you two gentlemen care 
deeply about the guy who could connect you to the person in the air who could call in for air support. You cared deeply about that person, right? So like when you were like, hey, I want to go do the shoot them up stuff and everything else, right? And you're like, cool, that sounds awesome. I bet you weren't a dick to the comm guy, right? Who's going to be hooking you up and making those radio calls. I bet you're not, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you start like playing it back like that. The dude on the other side of the AC-130 who's listening on the other side of that radio, I bet you don't want to be a dick to him, right? So then why would you be a dick to the finance person or the supply person or the cook or anything else, right? Don't piss off the cook. Don't piss off the banker. Everybody's going to fall into one of those categories. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that, that gunner on the other side of that AC 130, that's the banker that night. Like, you know, like that's it. Yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to like, we may have a, yeah, don't be a dick. That's like rule one, but we may have a job that we view. And when I say we, I'm using the collective we, um, that we view as, you know, oh, well they support me. I hate to break it to everybody, but we all support somebody. There is somebody that is higher than us on the pecking order. It doesn't matter where we are. Even if you make it to that, the highest of the high team, still supporting somebody on that damn team. Even if it's that the dude to your left, as you're covering for him while he's moving, you're still supporting somebody along the way. So if you're going to treat the people who are supporting you that way, don't expect to get treated any differently by those who you are supporting. Yeah. Do you know my favorite people in the squadron that I, I, I mean, there's a lot of people in my squadron I like to hang out with, but for us, so arms, uh, that's aviation resource management. Shout out to the arms. people. Basically, these are the individuals. We come back from flying. They're putting in all the hours we fly. They're giving everybody their credit for their flight. They're giving like all the things we did, all the stuff, like all of that. That is a tedious job where actually the little decimal point matters, right? Like I make it a point every single day. Like right now, shout out to arms because they have like a lollipop bag. And I go in there and get a lollipop every single day. And I talk to them every single day because it's super easy to just bring in paperwork and be like, put this in the system, put this in the system, put this in the system and just walk away. Right. But the reason why I really, really love to talk to them and hang out with them is because when I was early, early in my career, one of the people that helped me out, like I got shit on hard, like hard by one of my instructors. Right. Uh, in in training for flight engineer school. And it was, and it just so happened that like, while I got shit on like hard by that person, I was right next to the arms office and the arm, the, the, the senior NCO, I don't remember. I can't remember if it was a, I can't remember if it was a master sergeant or senior, uh, senior master sergeant, but they were standing there. And whenever they walked out, I was handing the paper and he goes, Hey, that guy was a dick and he didn't have to be. I don't know what you do for a living, but I know whatever it is you did, it didn't need, you didn't need to be treated like that. So don't worry about that. Just get better tomorrow. That little moment. Right. And I was like, uh, okay. Meanwhile, of course my feelings were hurt, but like, I've never forgot that. So I love to talk to and hang out and chat and, and mentor or lead or do anything for the people in the arms office. Right. That's, that is a little teeny thing, but that little teeny thing has always mattered to me. And so, like, I, I really like to take care of that office whenever possible. Like, little things like that. And that's that's the whole team, right? So when we go back to the very beginning of this, like, those building blocks, you, you can build somebody. That's the other thing. I think people think they can't build outside of their own community. They can't build outside of their own job, right? Like, people be like, oh, I only care about my team. I only care about this. Like, bro, what are you doing? Like, Trent, you started out, like, we've talked about this, and you talked about it at the beginning. You started out in weather, Air Force weather. You don't have to say it like that. 
Listen, what do I send you? Listen, that was, that was demeaning. Listen, no, listen to me. Listen to me. You know I love you because I send you dirty photos of clouds. I send you photos of clouds, and then you tell me what kind of clouds they are. And I know that you're sitting on the other end of that phone when I send those to you. I know that you're having a moment. It's okay. So we yeah, both know. Fun. All right. But either way, you started out in weather. See, I changed my demeanor, my voice. You started out in weather, and then you went to special weather. And then you went to special recon because you were like, I want to kind of be like Matt and I kind of want to be special like weather and all these things. I'm just going to pick on you now because I feel like it because you can't shoot me right now because it's a computer screen. Because someone at the Pentagon said you guys are going to be this now. That's what happened. That's what happened. There you go. (laughs) But like you think about it, right? Like you started, you know, you started in like the, you know, air quote, the Air Force job, right? Like you said, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like the standard Air Force job, right? And then you switched over. But like... I don't know, man. Like you, you started there. It didn't, it didn't mean that like all of a sudden you were lesser than, right. It was just, that's where you started. And then you had people help you at some point and they built you up to the next thing. And then they built you up to the next thing and they built you up to the next. But I think people just get mixed up with that. And they're like, Oh no, no, no. You're just that. And I'm just this. And I'm better than, I don't know. That shit bothers me big time. Well, so yeah, no, go ahead. Trent. No, jump on it. No, there's a thing where people like the, the, there's a saying, that's pretty prevalent in society that we stand on the shoulders of giants. Like yeah. your, your parents, your, your peers, your mentors, everybody that came before you that make that job possible for you to walk into that make all of these things possible for you. You owe something to them. I don't know how someone can put on a uniform and see their service on their chest and their name of their family on their chest and not feel a sense of responsibility. And like Matt was talking about the highest performing people in the military like they understand that that is a privilege and a responsibility that is levied on, upon them. It's not, they're not more special than everybody else. These, these people couldn't achieve that level of success without knowing who they are and when what is there. It, whether it's your rank, your beard, your medals or whatever, that is a level of responsibility. That is not, that doesn't make you a special person. And you, you owe it to the people that came before you and all the people that built you up to that level to pay it back to them and to the people that are coming up, you know, in, in your path. Uh, first, you're, you're supposed to advance the position that you're in to make it better than it was when you found it and make that path easier to walk for the people behind you. Maybe not easier, but you know, help them along that path because you know it. Yeah. So when we, when we graduated school, I'll never forget, uh, there's this master guns there. And I mean, man was a giant, like reputation second to none. And he was running the schoolhouse and you know, the, the big ceremony at the end. And, um, you hand in the, this, the rope that they make you carry around the entire time signifying, you know, the end of your, your entry level training. Right. And he gets up there and he's like, Hey gents, you know, I want to congratulate you guys. Um, but I also want to be the first to tell you, you haven't done a damn thing. You haven't done anything. As a matter of fact, every single day that you wake up, that you're blessed enough to show up to that unit every single day that you're blessed enough to put on that gear you have to prove that you belong to be there. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, and if you start to feel this sense of entitlement, you've all of a sudden gone from being exactly who we want to the very person we don't want anymore, because you're no longer willing to show up every day as if you have to earn it, to show up every day as if you have to, you know, as if you're going to get fired. When I was an opso, I used to drive to work every day and I was like, dude, today is the day I'm going to get fired. Like today mm-hmm. is the day. Like I'm going to screw everything up. Like I said in the beginning, if you can screw it up, I've done it. Um, and I remember telling my battalion commander that one day. I was like, he asked me, he's like, you know, Matt, what's wrong? I was like, 
sir, like I'm, I'm just fucking everything up again. Like you're going to fire me today. And he was like, I'm going to tell you something right there. You know why you won't get fired? And I was like, no, sir. Cause I'd have fired me six times by now. <laughs> and he was like, you won't get fired because you're treating every day as if it's the last day. You mm-hmm. won't get fired because you're showing up every day as if you don't belong to be here. And as if you're not, as if you don't rate something. Rating is, is, is such a dangerous path to walk down in this profession that we're all in to where you believe that because you've done something, something is owed to you. When in reality, you know, we, we all sign contracts and whether you're on the enlisted or the officer side, it works a little different. But you sign that contract to where you say to the service, I will give you X amount of time. The service in, in turn tells you, I will pay you for X amount of time. But his service isn't saying that because of what you've done. That's how you were in the position to be able to sign that next contract or get that next promotion or whatever it may be. But you still have to earn what it is that they've given you. It's not, you know, some one size fits all. Oh, just keep breathing. And, you know, because you were so good at your previous unit, this unit will owe that to you. No, instead, it's every single day. What do I do? Just like Trent said, every morning that I put on that uniform, that we all put on that uniform, you're wearing a, you know, a service over your left breast pocket and your name over your right. The left breast pocket is always more important. And you think about how many people no longer get to wear that because they were willing to do it all. They were willing to lay it all on the line. And if you can give homage to that in the way in which you go about your daily duties, that matter if you're an admin clerk or the, the most special of all special operators of all time, that's the only way you do right by those people that no longer get to get to pay it, get to wake up the way we do. Yeah, no doubt. Hell yeah. Go ahead. I, I mean, I think that's everything, right? Like, cause uh, we, we run into these things where people will be like, well, how, how do I know when I'm, when I become a man, you know, like that's a pretty normal conversation. Like, like if you want to earn the mantle of man or father, it's not like it's something you get tattooed on your chest and it's there forever. You know, you can be a, per- a great person for 40 years and guess what? One day you can stop being a man. You can stop being a good father. You can stop being a good operator or a good military member or anything else like that. It's, I mean, that this is your entire life. It's not just, I think it just applies beyond military. And I just want to bring it up. And Hell I, yeah. I, to broaden the conversation beyond the realm of reason, maybe. No, nope. well, I know. I think, I think your, I think your point is more applicable, Trent. Like, dude, you could be a, a great, you know, military person and a really shitty dude. Yep. Yep. Adapt that mentality. Sooner or later, your really shitty dude is going to become your really shitty military person. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. If you if you elect to you know live that life, if you elect to go that route, it is going to bleed over. It it doesn't matter. And it's it, why is that? Is because oh look, you know I I'm, I'm a brand new dude and I show up to the trench unit and I'm looking up to him and I'm like, dude, that's who I want to be. That's who I want to be. Look at how elite he is. Look at how great he is. And then, you know, I happen to see you out in town. I happen to see you going about your business, not in the way you, which you show up at work. And I'm like, you're all a front. It's all a lie. Watching you at work, you're the top performer. It's a front. Is this really who he is? Or is this dude just putting on a show in front of everybody else? And once right. that seed of doubt creeps into your mind, you're, you're fucked. Done. That's all it comes down to. 
That's it. You're done. You're absolutely done immediately. Like that. Yeah, man, that's important. I think that's the thing too. People be like, you know, they, um, it's funny. We, you know, you said something that, you know, this profession, right. Which is something I was going to, uh, I was going to, um, ask, right. I was like, all right, I'm going to, I got two final things I want to ask and pass it around. But then that actually led to one, like you see them out in town and they're different. Right. So it's like, what is this profession? Right. Like what is this profession we are in? Right. What is this? What does this profession mean to us? That kind of thing. But that thing right there, it doesn't matter what you think the profession means to you. It doesn't matter what the profession looks like to the outside, to the civilians. It doesn't matter what it looks like to the guys and gals coming in. It doesn't matter. Right. That profession. That's one word. And then there's the professional that actually does it. Right. And if you're that, if you are that person, then when you go out, they see you in public and you're a piece of shit then you're no longer a professional. You've lost that immediately. Now you got to start all over and work again to get it back. Like you got to start at square one. You, you are the new guy. Then you're the fucking new guy. Who's got to prove himself. Even if you're the old guy, you're the fucking new guy. Cause the other kid who's got three days in your squadron and like, he was looking up to you and then he saw you like, you just lost all of it. So you got to start over at square one. So now you got to become a professional all over again inside of this profession that we do right because it's it 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 is that's exactly what it is like it was a book i uh it was a book i read uh there's a a book i was reading on i was talking about professionalism in the military they were talking about like it really is truly turned into a profession whereas you know back in the day obviously like the revolutionary war it wasn't a profession that was just some motherfuckers showing up. There are people coming out the hills like, hey, uh, me and 10 <laughs> of my buddies are coming out here to hang out for a couple weeks and then we're going back home. But we'll shoot some, you know, we'll su- shoot some uh, Brits before we go. And then now it's now it's us. Right. We're all old heads in the sense of like we're all going to get, you know, we're, we're all going to go to the end. Right. And then retire. So we will have been the professionals inside this profession. But so my question to you is, what is what is what we do for, you know. Or living or whatever you want to say what does it mean to you like what is that thing like what is this profession what the fuck does that mean to you trent i'll go to you first on this one. Oh, come on man i'm um, going to because i'm going to go to him first on the second one and it's and then you're going to smile and be like damn that was a dick question to ask him yeah it did i mean the, the the profession is the people i don't i don't make any distinctions between that um it, it's in the beginning it's it's you know, I get a lot out of it. And then in the end, it's how do I give back? Right. And what, my job to me is, is rather irrelevant. You know, like I've never I've never been like that type of person that like thought that like the military was my whole life or that my profession or my career. Like I don't really believe in careers or any of that other stuff. Like I could get fired at any time, like something terrible could happen and I could lose everything. And so I never really attached too much of myself to all of those things. But it's just an opportunity to to do as much as I can with the capabilities that I have to, to affect you know, the people around me, you know, like, and, 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 and I, th- I think what gra- the reason I gravitated to the, the profession or the job that I did is because that's where I belonged, you know, like it found me, I didn't go out and find it. Like I, I was just open to the experience. And so like, people are like, well, did you want to like jump out of planes and do all this silly stuff for a living? And is it a profession? And how, what does it mean to you? It was like, when I retire and I put my uniform away and I put my beret away, like that's not going to affect me, like my home life really at all. Like my profession is who I am. They're, they're, they're one and the same thing, just like the people and the job are one and the same thing. Um, I, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm at this point in my career, but 
you know, that's what it means to me. It means the relationships. It means the experiences. It means being able to look back at something, a 20 year span of time and saying, I think I did more good than harm during my time there. I think I had a more positive impact on the people that I was around than negative impact. I think I learned a lot about myself, which is the the foundation for everything. And then I helped other people, you know, along the way. So, um, you know, that that's what it means. And that's what my next career profession or job or whatever I'm going to do on the outside, it's going to be the exact same thing because I'm the same person. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And just, it just so happens that what I do for a living right now is complementary to helping me become a better person every day. Like mm-hmm. the expectation on that side helps the expectation on this side, you know, my, my home life and vice versa. Like they're very complementary to, to my values and, and what I want to get out of this life. Yeah. Matt. Yeah, I want, you want to add anything? I mean, he he hit the, he hit the nail on the head. I, I think that that was a, a, everything that I could articulate. He just nailed. Yeah, he crushed it. Yeah, I'm be honest with you, Trent. Listen, Trent, did I fall in love with you a little bit more in that moment? <laughs> yes, that's the whiskey talking. Well, I have had caffeine. Well, I hydrated. I have water, right? And I have caffeine. Here's my caffeine. And then I also have my whiskey, which is now gone. Caffeine and whiskey are both gone. The water I'm still working on. Yeah. It's, a, it's it's harder to drink. It was great, though. I Honestly, I loved it. Did I imagine you naked with a beret on? No. Uh, <laughs> but whatever. Anyways, we'll move past. It's okay. It's a professional. It's a professional podcast. It's okay. Uh, Matt, I will ask you this because I think this is important. And then I will make I will force Trent to say something. He won't have a problem saying something because we're going to pick on officers for just a split second. Um I look at it like this, right? So going back to the beginning, like I said, like we want a podcast where it's not just officers. It's not just enlisted. It's not the four-star general telling you about the career he had before he worked at Halliburton or whatever. It's not that kind of thing, right? It's, it's, it's a podcast by like us right now doing it, like actually in the mix, um, just getting after it, having fun, working with some exceptional people, getting to know some people. Right. But like at the same time, you know, we're, we're kind of goofing off. We're in civilian clothes. We're chatting and everything else right now. But at the end of the day, if we were to show up tomorrow, right? If like, I don't know, whatever they go, hey, there's a squad. Uh, there's a squadron of three and you three are in it. Then you're our officer, right? So just like that, you're the O. And then it's going to be, hey, sir, what do you need from us kind of thing? And we're going to go make it happen. So my question for both of you guys on different sides, but starting with you is, sir, what do you need from the other tier, from the enlisted tier, right? Like, what do you need from that? Because I think when I really, when I'm, when I want people to listen to this, I hope they listen to all the stuff, they take it in, they absorb it. But then they, at the end of it, it's like, hey, you know what? This is what we actually fucking need from you on your side. Like, for you to be a better officer, what the fuck do you need from the ease? B through Y. B through Y. So, an officer's job inside of fashion, there's their word again, inside of the military. An officer's job is to direct and implement and to establish policy. Mm-hmm. And we can use policy interchange. Policy can mean mission. Policy can mean directives. Policy can mean what? It's the enlisted side to make that a reality. If you try to create it and make it a reality, you find yourself caught. Because no matter what, you've already, you've already decided inside of your head. This is what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. This is what my desired end state is. A and Z. B through Y is literally where the force lives. Because here's the funny thing. 
they're going to do it in ways that you didn't even imagine was possible mm-hmm. because they have more reps. It is just the nature of it. Not until you get to the service chiefs do you find the officer with more time in uniform than the senior enlisted. That's the first time that you find it. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit at the three-star level, depends on how long they've been around. But anything below that, I mean, I'm showing up to the fleet. Hey, sir, what needs to be done? Attack. All right, what do you want to have happen? I want all the enemy cleared out of trench one. Watch me go. That, that's essentially what it looks like. When you try to say, well, we're going to start from the left. We're going to work our way to the right. We'll hit the third guy first, and then we're going to work our way back. And then I want mortars coming in to do this. I want machine guns doing this. Boss, why, why the fuck you need me? You yeah. already did it. You've already done it all for it. That becomes the hardest part with as we grow to where and that's not exactly how I would. I don't care. Did it get done? That's what is the most important question of all. Nobody cares how sausage is made. They want to know what it tastes like at the end. That's it. Mm-hmm. You don't care if that's no shit. The, the prime cut of a pig. I don't know what the hell that's called or the feet of it. Because you know what? Nobody knows what is actually inside that little casing. Mm-hmm. That hot dog tastes good as hell at the end. Don't ask questions. It tastes good. Don't ask all these questions. Yeah, you can educate yourself. Hey, well, why did you do it? That's what we got debriefs for. That's what we have after actions for. And as you develop yourself as an officer. But when we become so entrenched with every single thing has to be the exact way in which I want it done. And if it's not done A through Z, the exact way I would have done it, we screw over everybody who works for us. We don't Mm -hmm. allow them to make mistakes, circling back to the beginning. We don't allow them to learn, circling back to a couple points ago. We don't allow ourselves to learn because at the end of it, that's what we have to focus on. You know, we when we issue an op order, we get to state what the mission is and we get to state what the commander's intent is. That's it. Those are the two most important parts to being an officer to me. A is the mission. B defines what success looks like. That's what I would say to that. I need B through Y. Mm. Well, Trent, he said the sausage, and now you get to tell me what the what the wiener tastes like. <laughs> On the list, what do you need for your officers? No, he, he crushed it. It's uh, it it, you know, it, in in my community, it's like there's there's no rank in the the mission planning process. But like when we go out there, like you know, like my experience as a team sergeant with my team leader, so it's when we're alone, it's very, very, and, and we actually had a little blue book uh, on it in AFSOC and it's called, you know, that relationship is supposed to be intimate between those two people. And so what I, as a team uh, sergeant, I want from that person is, is open and honest communications. I need them to be, you know, I need them to know who they are and their leadership style coming from the front and they need to understand me. And like, like you said, like, give us, give us what you want and we'll go make it happen, but don't come in halfway through the process and cut my legs out from under me. Like that's the fastest way to turn not just me, but the entire team against you. Um, but I will, I, I mean, I do want a sanity check. If I come to you and I ask for a sanity check, because I want new eyes on on whatever we're doing, because no matter who you are, the officer or new enlisted guy, I, I kind of want to see what the, the, the fresh faces have to say about anything. I want your honest feedback. I want, I don't, you know, like there's a, there's a thing that happens sometimes where some of the officers when they're new will be like, well, I don't know. Like, it's like, no, no, no just tell me what you, what you think. Like you're the boss. Like you have a legal responsibility mm-hmm. to have, I want to hear what you have to say. You went to, you know, you went to college, blah, 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 you know? So, um, 
but it's the, the up and out versus the down and in. Like that's my team. Unless I'm doing something, you know, morally or, or ethically uh, that goes against the grain or we're not getting the mission accomplished, like stay out of my chili and uh, and cover cover down on the, the stuff that's coming down from above and, and make sure I have the resources and the space to do my job. Um, but that, that relationship, though, where the, the friction happens where the, or where the rubber meets the road, really, and the leadership between the team sergeant and the team leader, like that relationship is so, so important. So like as a team guy, I shouldn't even I don't talk to the officer, you know, like we, we know each other and, and he comes out and tells us what what's going on and all that other stuff. But like my team sergeant is, is he's my dad. Like, that's it. Mm -hmm. And uh, as long as the, the officer and the enlisted guy are, are working, you know, in a symbiotic way, it, it, it can be a really, you know, beautiful thing. Am I, am I delving into my like diary of when I was a young guy again? Is that what's yes. happening? Um, Berets, wieners, and beauty. I, I think I just said the same thing. I just, you know, said it again. The same thing as what Matt said. No, but it's important, right? Because there's a different side, right? Like I think a big part of what we do as enlisted is we decipher your bullshit. I really think that's what we're supposed to be doing at all times, right? And so I, I can tell you from a flight engineer perspective on a C-130, I can tell you that, right? Because that's what I know. I can tell you that one of the most important things I ever heard was my pilot say to me, my aircraft commander say to me, he's like, your entire fucking job here is to be the conscious of the crew. He's like, you're like, I'm supposed to be the technical expert and all those things. He's like, I'm trying to do this mission, fly this thing, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. You need, you need to be the conscious of the crew. You need to keep me from doing something that's going to get us all killed. Okay. That was my job. Like it, when it all came down to it. Right. And it sounds silly, but like, you know, when we fly, it's pilot, you know, you call by position, you don't call by rank. And that's a very important thing when you're flying. You do not call, I'm not calling you a commander. I'm not calling you a major, a colonel, a general. I'm not calling you any of that. I'm calling you, I'm not calling you sir, ma'am. I'm calling you pilot, inch, load, nat, like whatever I'm saying, right? Like whatever the circumstance, whatever airplane you fly, I'm calling you by that thing, right? The conscious of the crew thing, I took very seriously. If we were flying along and at some point I thought that all of a sudden I deciphered your bullshit and I thought maybe you were scared or you were lost or you were this or you that, I'd immediately be like, Matt. And it would get your attention like that. And you'd be like, whoa, but like, it's that, right? I think we're supposed to be your conscious and you're supposed to do, you are the A and Z. But like at the end of the day, like you're standing in front of the commander. I'm not like Trent's not, you know, we are, but we're not right. Like at some point they're going to tell us we can leave the room and then it's just you. Right. So I think that's important, right? It's like, I think we can really, I think we can screw our, you probably think the other way, sir. And I said, sir, for a reason, but like, you probably think the other way, but I genuinely believe we can fuck you over so fast, way faster than you can fuck us over. Right. And you probably think, no, I can get my guys killed. I can do this. I think, man, like if we're doing all the B to Y, like if we're really doing B to Y, like we're going to keep you, you're going to keep, we're going to keep you on track and you're going to keep us getting where we want to go kind of thing. No, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that it can absolutely be fucked a lot faster that way. And this is what I mean by that. Yeah, I mean, I can, you know, I get ready. We call them fit reps. I'm not even sure what the Air Force calls them. Performance evaluations, right? I can I can purposely be like, oh, I'm going to fuck Nate over on this. You know what? I get one chance a year to do that. Mm -hmm. And there's no saying I'm still going to even be here to do it when it's time for it. Because you can get removed in a heartbeat. Right in a heartbeat. What's the number one reason why officers are removed from any billet is lack of trust and confidence. 
that's the that's the fight. Yep. That's the catch all. That's everything. Lack of trust and confidence in your ability to lead your enlisted personnel. Boom, you're gone. You're done. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's all that it comes down to. So I don't think that. I think that it is a a flat out two way street that has to both sides of traffic have to be flowing. And yes, there, there's somebody, man, I had, I'll go back to one of my previous units. I had one of my ops chief, you know, I show up and I'm a junior, I'm a mid-grade captain when I get there and they decide to make me the opso, right? Typically a, a major who's, who does it. And my ops chief had 27 years in the, in the Marine Corps at this point, 26 of them inside of this MOS. I am not even 26 years old yet, right? <laughs> so we are sitting there. And I am, you know, I'm, I'm saying this and I've done all my study and I'm like, boom, boom, boom. I got this. I got this. I got this. And afterwards, you know, inside of the briefing room, he, he's backing me. He's like, no, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And we, you know, I go back to my office and I'm like, all right, you know, like, oh, look, everybody listen to me. This is great. You know, blah, blah, blah. And I walk in and he kind of shuts the door and he's like, so uh, this is how this is going to go down. And I was like, what you got, Master Gun? And he was like, we're either going to sit here and we're going to have a conversation. We're going to flow this thing out. Or uh, me and you are going to take off blouses and we're going to find out who can hit harder. And we're going to find it out right now. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and he was like, you, when you are doing these things, I'm always going to back you. I'm never going to not back you in front. But you got to have that open and honest communication with me at the same time. I got to know what I'm backing. Because mm-hmm. frankly lot riding on this just like you have a lot riding on this you have you know the rest of your career riding on this i have everything that i have built up that is my name as a Mm. man riding on this and i was like damn that 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 right there is pretty i i tell my guys all the time the number one thing i need i don't need you to be the greatest i don't need you to be the smartest fastest strongest any of that i need you to be the best communicator that's what i need I need you to be unafraid to tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, I have guys call me all the time with the great news and great news. Nah, man, the great news is awesome. I need the bad news. I need to be able to know that you are unafraid to come with me with whatever it is that you're going through. Because I'm going to tell you the dude that stops communicating is the dude that doesn't know how to solve his problem. That's Mm -hmm. the biggest tell for me right there. When you bottle up, when you turtle up like a damn little sea turtle that's got a great white circle in them and you just go into your damn shell. That's when I know you've lost control of your situation when you go radio silent as opposed to just think about it, man. Think back to, you know, any firefight that you're in. What's the very first thing you're doing if you're a leader? It's not, you know, I'm, I'm sighting in. I'm going for the 152. I'm going for the 119 or whatever damn piece of communication gear you've got. How do I leverage every asset to this battlefield to tip the scale into my favor? Your TO weapon as an officer, as a senior enlisted is your mouth. That's your number one thing right there. And the means in which you can leverage everything within your disposal to be able to tip the scales into your favor. Hell yeah. Damn, I feel real good right now. I feel That's real the fucking good. I agree with Trent. This new squadron is going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. We're going to get some other people and we're going to make a... We're gonna make a really good squadron. Can we call it the Whiskey Squadron? Whiskey Squadron. <laughs> yeah. I want to call it the Bastard, uh, the Bastard Air Command. I've always wished that there was a Bastard Air Command. That's what I always wish. It would have been involved with C-130s, helicopters, and A-10s, and then ground personnel, and we would all have been one. And we'd just been called the Bastard Air Command. I think we could have won all the wars. Anyways, that's just a whole different side tangent. Guys, we're gonna wrap it up there. Uh, I want to pass it around to you guys real fast, um, and then we'll 
we'll shut it down. I got nothing because I'm the host and I ranted too much. Trent, you got anything you want to finish up on, man, or circle back around to? The only other thing is, is, is going back to the beginning, building people up from their foundation. And I hate to quote someone as high ranking and as, as an admiral, but when Colonel Mc, or Admiral McRaven said, you know, make your bed, like it's a very personal thing. And so I think for anybody out there that's trying to build someone or build themselves, like you, you have to build yourself first. You are the most important piece in that, that ecosystem. The person that you have the most control over is yourself. And so like, when I, when I think about that, like making your bed, like if someone comes in your house and you know, you have someone that comes and cleans your house, but not your bedroom and your bed isn't made like that's a reflection, right? So like, just like your off duty conduct and all that other stuff, if you're not squared away and uh, you don't know who you are and you don't, you don't follow your own advice and you're not taking care of yourself, then how are you going to affect anybody else? How are you going to build anybody else if, if your own house is in disorder? So that's it. Oh, yeah. Sir? It's 2022. It's about to be 2023. Uh, while I love the, the, the high rank and the legends of, of yesterday, and I read all their stuff and try to, you know, learn what it is that they went through to not make those same mistakes, um, the reality is, is that you go back to those building blocks. You are, you have to be yourself. You cannot put on this facade that you are somebody you're not because your, your people will sniff it out. They will be able to detect, oh, he's fake. He's trying to be somebody he's not right off the jump. If you're a loud, obnoxious, in your face type of leader, that's who you're going to be. If you are a quiet, reserved academic, that's who you're going to be. Social media has made it to where it is very hard to separate your life right now. They're going to figure it out. I'm not saying you can't, you know, take the boys for a drink. You can't do that type of stuff. What you will figure out is, okay, I know that if I take Nate for a drink, Nate's going to burn me. The first time I tell Nate to do something Nate doesn't want to do, he's going to be like, well, we, we had that drink the other day. I know that if I take Trent for a drink, working hours, we got a mission to do. Roger that, sir. Let's get this shit done. That's all it comes down to. I can separate that. You've got to figure it out. He hit the nail on the head. When you ask what this profession is, this profession is the people. Nothing more, Mm -hmm. nothing less. And figuring out exactly who your people are starts with figuring out exactly who the fuck you are. Because if you show up and you are unsure of who you are as a man, as a woman, as a leader, it's not to say that you're not going to adapt your leadership style. We learn and our leadership style should change with every billet and every rank that we gain and every experience we have. But if you show up and you are completely unsure of who you are and what you stand for and what you represent and you are timid and you are afraid to be that person, you've lost before you've ever even gotten started. That's mm-hmm. all that it comes down to for me. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Gentlemen, I knew that I was crushing it when I got you two on for the person. Like I knew it. <laughs> like I knew it. All right. It's just. Listen, I think we had a good host. No, no, it's it's definitely <laughs> not that. I knew I was going to crush it. Uh, gentlemen, I, I appreciate the hell out of you. I'm going to hit pause uh, and, 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 and finish it up here. But I think it's important. I mean, just to, just to say thanks uh, to you two uh, because of the people listening. Like it, it doesn't matter what branch they're in. That's why we want to do this podcast this way. Um, so they can learn from everybody, right? Like your Marine Corps officer, 
Air Force enlisted, Trent's Air Force enlisted, we get to learn. Same thing. You get to learn from us. You get to see different perspectives. Um, you know, we talk about joint PME and all these other things. Well, this is joint PME if ever there was one. So uh yeah, I appreciate the hell out of you two guys. I'm gonna hit pause, but thank you so much for joining me for this uh for this first podcast. Appreciate it, brother. Always. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, that's episode one. Build them up. I want your feedback. Obviously, I did have a question in there. Uh, what I'll finish on is this. Uh, in the future, I'll coordinate and figure it out. But if you have questions, send it to us. Um, and I say send it to us, but send it to me. Send it to Lethal Minds Journal, really, though, right? And they can maybe come up with a question. If not, I'll figure one out. But we want your feedback. We want this to be good. Yes, we're laughing and joking and we're goofing off, but we really do care about this shit. That is why this podcast exists. There were a lot of conversations that happened behind the scenes for a couple of months before we decided to actually kick this off. And the one thing I knew was that I had to be as authentic as I can be, and I want my guests to be as authentic as they can be. And I want you, the listeners, to be as authentic as you can be. If you think this is terrible and we should be all stitched up and perfect and wonderful and everything else, tell me. I'm probably going to ignore it, but that's okay. That's okay. But the honest answer is we want feedback. We want to know what topics you want to talk about. I've got an idea for about a dozen of them, but I want all of you to help lead me so I can follow in the right direction. All right, guys. Cheers. <laughs>